and I think it's two conflicting things for women right now because they say staying at home and, and raising your children, like that is the thing. And then they say showing your children that like you can be a provider and like being a woman in today's world, that is the thing. And so what a challenge it is to mesh those two things and to do those two things 100%. Hi, I'm Brooke Raybould. I'm a high-achieving mama with a Georgetown MBA who said no to the corporate world and yes to herself. Trained by two of the top business schools in the country, I fell in love with entrepreneurship and embarked on the biggest startup of my life, my family. Drowning in diapers and laundry, I bootstrapped my way to building a six-figure online business where I was paid to be myself. And now, I'm on a mission to help women ditch the mom memes and build the life they were created for. Whether you're a stay-at-home mom looking to optimize your routines and carve out a little something for yourself, or the savvy woman wanting to do it all, I will break down the systems and strategies that help busy moms get big results. Step on into my stay-at-home office and welcome to the At Home Startup Podcast. I feel like I need to completely make over my trailer, especially after having talked with today's guest, because I'm certainly an achiever and being an achiever can be a good thing, but what happens when it becomes addictive? Today's guest, Mallory Irvin, explains exactly that. Mallory shares why winning Miss Kentucky, becoming fourth runner-up in Miss America, and participating two times over in the amazing race were achievements that left her high up on a mountain feeling unfulfilled and only wanting more. Welcome Mallory Irvin to the At Home Startup Podcast. Mallory, thank you so much for being on the At Home Startup Podcast. Honestly, I've been following you on Instagram probably for, I feel like for such a long time. I knew who you were, who you are, but it's only been recently that I was introduced to the depth of your story. Well, first off, we did a whole podcast, I feel like off the podcast, because Brooke <laughs> and I are connecting so many things. Like she said, her one of her children is sleeping and one of them's like watching something, watch, and I'm like, Brooke. Don't you worry. If anybody understands this life, it is me. So I'm so excited to talk about all this today. Um, But yeah, for the listener who doesn't uh, know me or my story, um, in a very small nutshell, I grew up in Kentucky on a farm. I was the oldest of 23 uh, first cousins and grew up this idyllic, amazing childhood. I was always an achiever. I was the oldest of like, literally, we grew up on this farm together. So not only am I like the oldest of four siblings, but I'm the oldest of this crew. I was a singer and performer, so kind of always on stage in the public eye. And achieving and being a leader and all of those things, they were, it was a good thing back then. You know, when you're, when you're a child, these things are kind of in their infancy and they're born. And sometimes though a fire gets lit under these things and they take on a life of their own, which is what happened in my own life. And I went to, uh, I always thought I would sing country music, but um, I went to college in um, uh, Tennessee, University of the South. Uh, It's called Swanee. It's like a small school. It's close to Nashville. Still kind of pursuing music and some different things. And then 
when my story kind of took a turn, I won Miss Kentucky in 2009. On a whim, I decided my dad was in the backseat of the car one day. was like, you should do Miss America. And I was like, well, I don't do pageants. So why would I do that? And then I started kind of researching the role and realized like it was a really amazing role if you won, you know, if you're a title holder for your state. So I won that in 2009. I was runner up in Miss America in 2010. I was cast for a reality TV show called The Amazing Race with my dad. And twice we raced around the world on this game show trying to win a million dollars. You do these challenges. You fly from one country to the next and you do it's just, it was one of the joys of my life. And immediately after that, we were cast for another season of The Amazing Race, um, the all-star season. So within one year, when I was 25 years old-ish, I, I was a runner for Miss America and I was on two national reality TV shows that broadcast on Sunday nights. Every single person I'd ever known in my college, every friend, every person in my tiny community of Morganfield, Kentucky. And I think that's where things were so great. I was at the top of the mountain, you know, I was up there. Everything that I ever like thought I wanted, here I am at the top. And like so many people in so many stories, you get up there and that's when the pressure really started of what's next for me. I have to achieve more, all of the shiny objects in my life. And um, I spiraled out of control with a prescription pill addiction. And these prescriptions in particular were, Two prescriptions that are commonly prescribed to people who have issues with um, focus or going to sleep. I did not have issues with focus. I just wanted to do more. And then I was taking so much of it, more than the doctor prescribed, which in any instance with any prescription, whether you need it or not, is not good. That I couldn't sleep at night. And I was doing national television shows where I'm flying overnight from one country to another. So then it's like sleeping pills get introduced. And then I go on like the equivalent of like a really intense upper and a really intense downer. And it, my life fell apart and I almost died because the amount that I was on was very intense. And I went to a treatment center and I was there for several months. If you would have told me, you know, in that year, 2010, when I was just on the top of the mountain, that this is where you're going to end up in a couple of years. I would have just, there was no path in which I could see myself ending up there. There just wasn't, I'd achieved all these dreams. I was a shining star in my community. I was, I was a valedictorian in my class and all, I'd always been this, this, this bright shining student and sibling and cousin and person on the stage. And then for me to end up, I felt like, like my soul had like left my body. I felt like an empty shell of a person. I, I was a, I was addicted to these medications, like at that point in time, but something happens like when you get to that point where who I was, wasn't who I was anymore. I was like, I said, I was an empty shell of a person. And that, what happened to me then was the thing that changed my life and birthed the platform of living fully because I had this incredible life before, but it wasn't until like I hit the low that I really realized what it was to like squeeze every drop like out of my life. And I'm so grateful for, for that happening in my life. And that's what I wrote the whole book about and the lessons that I learned and going through what I went through. I know that you went along that journey and it, you talk about this in your book. It was like the rebirth of self. And now at this point in your life, you're more aware, I'd say, of those tendencies. And I feel the same way. If you go through something mm -hmm. like that, you're like, okay, I know that I have 
these tendencies. And I know that you stepped out of kind of the limelight, but now you are surely back in in some ways. So I wonder how you manage that now. Yeah. And I, um, okay. So I just had my third baby and my daughter is three months old. So you've got four boys. I've got two boys, which two boys is 200 kids. So you've got 400 kids. I've got 200 kids. And now I have a little girl. And, um, at this point in time in my life and something that I do over and over Mm -hmm. is, um, I have to reassess constantly. I have to reassess my priorities. I have to reassess my business. I have to reassess my family because I'll tell you what, Brooke, and you and I are both high achievers. Like, look at your background. Like, getting you think, oh my gosh, I got my MBA at Georgetown. Like, when your identity is the achiever and you're the one that everybody's like, oh, this is Brooke. She did this. Or this is Mallory. She did this. Of course, like, it's hard to pry that, like, out of your hands. And I had to first to save my life in treatment. I did a lot of work on what is underneath this thing that I'm doing to myself where I literally know that my my heart is going to stop if I continue to do this, but I cannot stop achieving everyone. So like, I will just die. Like it, what is, what in the world is it that has its grips around me with this achievement that is so tight? So I really did. I took the shovel and really like got to the bottom of a lot of that, but like anything we work through in life, it pops up in all different ways. So back to like your stress question. I live with my foot on the brakes and the gas at the same time. So right now in my life, I want to go 100 miles an hour, but I also want to stop. So I think kids are only little one time. I think you can build businesses in your 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s. I always keep that in the back of my mind. And I'm just like, I know that I have a dream job right now. I know that being a lifestyle entrepreneur and an author and a podcast host and doing all of these things while being at home with my children is the dream job, I feel like, for someone that wants to stay at home with their children and also wants to achieve. So anytime there's something like that where I'm like, this is like a dream. I refuse to turn my dreams into nightmares by the stress that I feel around them. And by the, but like, I have to constantly fight that and remind myself. So, you know, I think that there's a lot of noise Like when you have young children and you're running a family, there's constant things that you have to do to keep your family life on track. When you're running non-businesses like you and I are also, there are so many things that you have to do to keep your business on track. So I wrote a whole chapter about like balance in my book because sometimes it's a balance thing for me. I wrote a whole chapter called Ignore the Noise. Sometimes it's just like the noise, the noise of mom guilt or the noise of I'm doing this wrong or just like the general noise around you that you need to like simplify, get back to basics. What are the minimum things that I need to do to get through this season of like a really busy time in my business or my family? But I think that constant like awareness plus a refusal to allow all of these blessings in our life to become burdens, that is what fuels me and how I get out of it looks different in every season. But, you know, you were talking about that, that it all at the base of it all, it really has a lot to do with um, not being OK with where I am. I, that sounds like like it's a lesser thing. No, I, I understand. Or maybe finding finding happiness there. I've been reading a little bit about it. And yes. there's like a difference between like yeah. almost pleasure seeking and happiness. And I know you spent some of your time in, was it Malta? Ma, yes, right. It reminds uh-huh. me of that story because I, I 
heard something the other day that, you know, you go anywhere else where people don't have maybe as much as, you know, we have, yet mm-hmm. they can experience happiness. And then oh, yeah. maybe here stateside, there is a certain tendency to overindulge in um, like the pleasure. And almost if you get too caught up in that pleasure seeking, that you can quickly trade happiness for unhappiness. Yes. Uh, Yeah. And I learned a lot about this um, from my dad. So my dad climbs mountains. He's he's just done his seventh summit. So sorry to keep switching these earbuds. They don't fit in my ears. So um, 500 people or so in the history of the world have summited all seven of the highest mountains, like every peak like Everest and, you know, all of the mountains. And so he just did his last one. He's just this really cool guy. And he's very like, he just, uh, he decides he wants to do something and he does it. And sometimes we're like, you, what? Like, why is that fun to you to spend two months literally in a tent with like another, you know, climber, like huddle up against each other, trying to like not lose your life. And just to get to the top of this, that makes sense. But you know what he always taught us is to like find your, choose your own joy, choose your own happiness. He said, if the world, if I listened to the world and all the horror stories about all the bad things that happen when you're climbing these mountains or all the money that you'll spend and the time away from your family and all of these things, how he's like, I never would have stepped foot on a mountain, but I had to choose what made me happy. He's like, people say retire after you've had business business success and like go golf and enjoy your retirement. And he was like, I'd be the most unhappy man on the golf course, you know? So I think that society, yeah, will tell us what it is that we need to be happy. And I think it's two conflicting things for women right now because they say, staying at home and, and raising your children, like that is the thing. And then they say, showing your children that like you can be a provider and like being a woman in today's world, that is the thing. And so what a challenge it is to mesh those two things and to do those two things a hundred percent because that equals 200% and we only have 100%. So that's been the, um, that might be the next book that I write, but I don't like to teach while learning. So I really try to make sure I'm on the other end of it before I write it. But it's a it's a constant. I don't want to say battle, but it's a con, it's a constant privilege, honestly, to be able to um, to even have to figure this out because it truly is it truly is the dream. I don't want to miss out on my children growing up. Um, not to say anybody that goes into the office does, but I'm I'm a big believer that it's the quality time, and it's really it's what's the challenge for me is. When you have a business that runs out of your home, or especially if it has to do with lifestyle and showing things that are happening with your family or that you're cooking, it's really hard for me to find that line between like, where do you put the phone up? Where are you uninterrupted? And so that is the thing that I constantly have to revisit right now to stay on track. I, I, it was kind of what was the catalyst to this podcast because I'm like podcasting, I can do it weekly and you get to a point, I think when my kids were young, which is when I started my Instagram page, they were almost my little, you know, they're like almost mommy's like hip, yeah, they look you know, great my in children that they love. Of course. <laughs> yeah. Like my little, you know, but they weren't talking, they weren't fully formed sentences. And so it was almost, you know, the brook, 
the Brooke Motherhood Show. And now I have a seven-year-old who's in second grade who is fully aware of um, what it means for mommy to be, you know, filming things. And and so I, yeah, I was interested. I know your kids are, I think, slightly younger than mine are. And so. Yeah, four, three, and three months. So I'm ner- I'm nervous about that phase, honestly. Yeah, it's, I mean, because it's your lifestyle entrepreneur and much of yeah. many people follow your life on YouTube because uh, you're a YouTube personality on Instagram. And I'm glad you brought that up because it's something that it, I think it's just the way that you mm-hmm. look at it, like you said. Um, but as a, as a mother bear, and I think different people yeah. align with it in different ways. Also, like I'm very, very impressed with the quality of your Instagram content and that you can write guides and do a podcast. You are quite the producer. And I am very impressed with that, by the way, just as a side note. I think it was when, honestly, Instagram introduced video content. The videos take so much more time. So much more time. And so I think back on, you know, the, the mom, the entrepreneur. And for me, I had to get to a point where I was like, I can do this, but I can't do it. I can't. I can't sustain this business on my own, essentially. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. I can't do the, the filming. I can't do the editing. I can't do the business outreach. I can't do the podcast. So I now have invested in people to help, two people to help me. I think the beauty of entrepreneurship is what can you start trading uh, to, to prioritize the things that you want to do? You talk about the glass balls and the rubber balls. I Forget who gave the commencement speech. Yeah, what's the glass ball? What's like you're juggling balls in your life? What are the glass balls where if you continue to drop those things, like if you continue to not prioritize your family, that's a glass ball. It's going to crack. It's going to crack. It's going to break. Like, don't treat them like a rubber ball. Like, oh, rubber ball just bounces back. It goes back into juggling rotation, like relabeling the glass balls and the rubber balls. Yes. And that's in my book too. But, you know, you. Talk about something that is also another struggle of a stay-at-home parent that's also an entrepreneur, which is this work more to hire more people. Then you got to work more to hire more people to run this larger business. And I say all the time and people are like, "Mm, okay, like in my 20s, I didn't even have a savings account. And then I like, you know, that we we're doing well now. And I'm like, how did we end up here? You know, but I'm like, I really feel the exact same as I do now with a really successful business and doing well as I did when I couldn't afford the house cleaner, because the more and more you do and want to do, the more people you have to hire. And then the more of that income of you doing more goes out. So it's really a cycle. And that's why you really have to figure out what, how do I want to show up in my family and in my business? And then you have to constantly, if you are addicted to the drug of achievement and doing more and more and more, you have to continue to check yourself and check yourself. And I always think that, you know, I wrote this in a recent Instagram post, like childhood is so short and like being a stay at home parent is such a gift. And I think it's like truly the hardest job. Like my husband's a true stay at home parent, like watches our kids all day, every day while I I help a lot, of course. And I'm like exclusively nursing a child and like, you know, I work whenever I can. It, what a gift that is and a gift of service. And so, you know, I constantly like go back and forth of like, what is enough? Where do I stop? Because there is no lid 
on us, on you and I, and what we can do in this space. You, I could write 10 books. I could start 10 podcasts. I could. There is so much opportunity, and that's what makes it hard for an achiever. Because more is more is more. If there's a whole jar of cookies on my table, I'll eat the whole jar of cookies. And like, I have to continue to step back and be like, hey, can I build a business bigger and bigger in my 40s? Uh-huh, I could. In my 50s, in my 60s. I know that that's not what the world wants you to believe. They want you to believe like young is when you do it. Strike while the iron is hot. But like, you know, you get a lot of shots to do, I think, what we're doing. I don't think you get a lot of shots at like raising your kids. You kind of get you get one shot. And <clears throat> so that's why it's important to me to constantly keep. I've got a lot of different lessons like this on, in, in my book, like relabeling, like what's the glass ball and what's the rubber ball that I'm juggling in my life? And how do I how do I stop dropping those glass balls? I've got to relabel them. I've got to fiercely protect the glass balls in my life, my health. Hey, if you don't have your health and you let that go, it's that's no quality of life. Your family, like, you know, what's a rubber ball? Things like schedule or a house. Like, yes, it's nice to have a housekeeper, but if you do not have a housekeeper, sometimes you've got to look the other way of a mess. And it messes my mind up. Like when my house is messed up. I'm the same way. It's a control, but I feel like it's part of my bigger, you know, I say it's easy to be like, oh, that's my personality, right? But I yes. think the perfectionism tendency is what got me originally into the eating yeah. si disorder situation mm -hmm. that then led to the overachieving that then – and then it was like I finally – yeah, I was like, okay, I need to, it is this perpetual thing. It's perpetual. So. And it's like, it has, that's why it has to be perpetual that you continue to reassess and look at your life again. And I think so many people, stay at home moms or working moms, you're going a hundred miles an hour as a mom. There is no mom that's hanging out and just chilling. I don't know if you, this is how you feel, but it's almost like the more, like the more kids that I have, the more like, like, I don't want to say like high achieving, but the faster I'm moving, the harder it is to, the harder it is to slow down sometimes. Cause you can't stop to think about what's going on and you don't totally. want to. So it's yeah. like almost if, you know, the family fronts moving forward and the business front, and then all of a sudden you're like, like Ryan and I went to Austin this past weekend without the kids and we kind of tried to chill, but it was that, you know, in that moment where you're like, oh my gosh, this this I don't know how <laughs> yes. yeah. yeah where I'm like this is this is crazy but then I got home on Monday and it was almost that rude awakening with I was mentioning the Disney guide and the social media videos and all of this stuff and I was just like you know what I'm gonna take my kids to the park and I have mm -hmm. so much to do right now mm -hmm. but this is like my happy place when I'm like on a picnic blanket on the grass with my yeah. <laughs> baby and my mm -hmm. toddler. It was that moment that I'm like, this, this, this is it. Like, this is it. This is it. Yeah. But you had to, like, that was you reprioritizing like the glass ball. I, I always say like, we pray and pray because I'm also a very faith filled spiritual person too. And like, I think I said this line in my book, like you, you pray and pray and pray for these things. 
that you want like so badly. And then you get the things you want. And it's almost like you have to pray to like want the things you got again. Like you have to pray to like be called back to that. And I think that there's, everybody's busy. That's the thing. Stay at home mom's busy. And a CEO of fortune 500 company is busy. Everyone is busy at different like levels. And if you don't take the time to live your life, while you're doing your job, because our jobs are not, that's not why we're here to do a job. We're here to like live a life, to raise kids, be a part of a family and do a job secondary. I feel like personally, um, if you're a person that has a, has children, of course there are single people and people that choose not to have children that different priorities. But like, if we don't work hard to reprioritize our lives and like take the time to like want the things that we have again, and these children that are right in front of us and these yeah, we're going to make a lot of money and we're going to have great podcasts and we're going to reach millions of people and have books on the shelves. But like, what is it at the end of the day? Like, is that really like at the end of my life, am I going to be like, yeah, well, I sold 30,000 books the first week my book came out. Or am I going to be like, I raised a really good kid. So I have to remember those things and reprioritize. And sometimes when I'm going a hundred miles an hour and any say a mom that's listening to this or any mom that's a full-time working mom that's listening to this, you have to take the time to stop and look at where you're at and look at how much like time without my phone am I spending with my kids or am I spending with my husband or am I taking away or like, did I already reach the top of the mountain that I wanted to reach? And now I just keep giving myself like more and more mountains. Like, do I want to live my life like that? Maybe you do. I don't know. But I think that our lives can pass us by if we don't have if we don't take time to assess like what is like living fully mean to me like what is living a full life is not just a life that's like full of stuff and full of busyness and full of businesses and living fully is just is feeling fulfilled in your work and with your kids and that example that you just shared and taking that time with your kids when there are a million things in the air that you could, could have been doing, that is a prime example of living fully and like making a choice to. Right. Well, it's the message I preach, which is the irony of it. I'm preaching this message yet here I am spiraling out of control, trying to balance something that in, at the end of the day, um, you know, can be something that's healthy, but I'm getting to the point where I'm making it unhealthy. And I like that you say like back, back to basics, basics. you know, back to basics and being okay with like letting opportunities go. Um, I had to actually post, so I've had a curveball this week. Um, my like right hand person that runs all my businesses that I adore is moving home back to her home. I moved her here and like, I didn't have help before. Like we, when I got her in my business, she just really did a lot for my business. And she's moving home. Like that's where her community is. And she's taking a job like at, at home. That's, you know, cause she's like in our home every day. This would be a hard thing to do remotely. Yeah. It was a big mm. curveball for me. And, um, I think that the curveball chapter, I keep going back to in my book because I think that that's a really big lesson that's universal for everyone. Life throws us curveballs mm. all the time. It could be in a business, like mm. an employee moving on. It can be a child that's sick. It can be a someone that maybe is a single person, a relationship that you thought you were going to marry a person and then that relationship is over. Whatever it is, you get fired from your job, whatever it is. 
I think so many times, especially like in today's culture, we just want to feel better. We just want to get out of the pain. We do not have time to yes. sit in the pain. We do not want to sit in the pain. We're too way too busy to sit in the pain. And a big mm. lesson that I learned in my own life and that I wrote about in this book, and it's one that I continue in my life. There are those messages that I preach that I go back to. And this is one that I keep going mm. back to. When life throws you a curveball, if mm. you cannot make that next decision out of, I got to get out of this. I've got to get out of this pain. Just get me out of this. If you can make that decision with your feet on the ground and you can take a breath in a second and be like, what are the priorities in my life? Who am I? What are my values? And think about that next decision through that lens. You, your life will go in a different direction. I think it's a very simple thing, but so many times we make decisions out of desperation and out of not wanting to feel bad for a second longer. And so I take my own advice because life throws me curveballs all the time. And I really try and make the next right decision because, hey, if you get broken up with and then you choose the wrong person and you end up marrying that person because you like want to feel better, oh my gosh, are you in for it? Or if you um, get fired from a job and instead of like saying, hey, what was it in that job that like I didn't love? What can I learn from this opportunity? What are my values? What do I want for my life? Let's make the next decision out of that instead of pure desperation of, oh my gosh, panic. What am I going to do? I'll take whatever it is. Then you're back in the same position. You're back at the same position where you're going to get thrown another curveball. And um, I, I go through that often. Yeah. I feel like. I think <laughs> that that's a very um, powerful lesson that I teach to myself <laughs> all the time. Uh, I and, feel the same yeah. way. I'm like, I can just work my way out of this or I can, but the thing it's, you can't, yeah. you know, it's just being present with that. I read a book by Joey Klein called The Inner Matrix and he talks about feelings and that we have to feel like we have to let ourselves feel feelings yeah. without creating stories about it's them. So hard. In, oh my gosh. I my know, mind goes 100 because, miles an hour. Like I know your mind goes 100 miles an hour. I create a lot of right. stories. I create whole books about like things. In my head. I do too, which I feel like is that fear based response yes. rather than you know, the loving, like I'm going to be okay. Mm -hmm. This is going to be okay. And this is where I'm supposed to be. And it's going to be fine. Yeah. And a reminder too, because I know probably in your life, it's the same. Every single bad thing that has ever happened to me in my entire life has led me somewhere better. Every 100%, every single one. And I have to re-remind -re myself in the middle of like the bad thing that I am, I'm very much catastrophizer. Like I am, it's over. Everything's over. We need to sell the house and move back on the farm in Kentucky because like one little thing happened. And I, I have to re-remind myself that like this, these things that I'm in right now that really hurt and are really stressful are the things that guided me to this life that I have now. So if you're a person that's listening to this podcast and you've been thrown a curveball, I want you to know 100% that this thing if you make the next right steps out of your priorities and your values and remembering who you are, this thing will guide you to the place that you want to go. Not being in the thing that you were in before the, the curveball got thrown. Like you're in the, you're in the golden sparkly like stuff right now. And a lot of times it's a perspective shift. You know, if you can think, 
oh, this is the thing. This is what's moving me forward. You know, there are so many things in our life and especially yours and my life where you're doing a lot of different things in a family realm and in a business realm. There are going to be a lot of times where you have to shift your perspective, where you have to maintain your footing during a curveball. Because in this time in our lives, we have a lot of people that depend on us and rely on us. And so that makes it like even more important to get it right. It's so purposeful, right? Everything that you're doing, because what you have said touched me in a way that gave you know me courage. Um, and that reminder, I think that I needed when I was starting to spiral out of control, I basically picked up your book and I'm like, what? What is Mallory saying? Because she's someone that's like me. So I guess for the mom who feels that tug, what would you want to impart to her closing it down? Um, so this is actually something that I didn't really talk about in Living Fully that I I actually wrote about. And I have like a gift book that's kind of a companion book to Living Fully that's coming out. And I did a podcast with um, a friend of mine named Aaron Lochner. And Aaron Lochner had this incredible career and was like living in LA and made this whole huge life shift. And then she's homeschooling her kids living in the middle of like Indiana. And she did this like 180 in her life. And I learned something from her that really helped me in the small moments that I have, or like these times that like, if you're a busy person that you have with your family or if your mom that's stretched you thin, like when you actually have like vacations or like time, she told me something that really was a cool thing. And I don't know why I'm mentioning this right now, but I feel like, like just you say what you're got to say. She told me like to do the thing. It was around holiday season. And she said, don't do the things that look like Christmas. Do the things that feel like Christmas. And she said, you know, if making cookies and like all the mess of that with a two-year-old does not feel good to you, what feels good to you? And I said, putting my kids in the car and driving to see the lights feels better to me. And I started prioritizing the things that like felt like Christmas. So like in my life right now, what are the things that feel good to do as a parent? Is it going to the park like you just said you did and laying down the blanket and doing the picnic? Or is it like booking a trip to an amusement park? You know, make sure that in the time that you have, because we all have different times, we all, all have different priorities, you're doing the things that like feel good to you, that feel like quality, fulfilled time um, instead of the things that look like it. Because we live in a world of social media. You and I are coming from a world that does a lot of things that look like a lot of things. You know, everybody looks like they're having a great vacation, but Lord knows behind the scenes, sometimes that ain't a great vacation. And so I try to prioritize that with the content that I put out. But if you're even a person that's not on social media. Like, what are the things that feel good to you? It's self-care and spending time with your family in your business. What feels good to you instead of looks good to the outside world? I've struggled with that my whole life, but I think that's the advice that I would give them. And I just also want to say too, <clears throat> whether you're a stay at home parent who's with your kids hundred percent of the time, or whether you're a working mom that's with your kids two hours every night and two days on the weekend or less, I truly believe that it's about the quality of the time that you spend. And, mm -hmm. um, I hate that a lot of times women on both sides feel guilt for the way that they're doing it because I truly believe that like mm. it's about the quality of the time, not like the minutes. And I just wish that there was 
as a person that got, got addicted to prescription medication, you know what the prescription that's missing is? I wish there was a pill for mom guilt where you could just take it away. Oh my God. I, yes. I tell Ryan that. I'm like, I want to do an episode of you talking about how guys don't really feel that because it's a heavy load to carry. Anyway, thank you, Mallory, for being on the At Home Startup Podcast. Thank you for having me. Oh my goodness. I hope you enjoyed Mallory as much as I did. Again, I have her book on uh, my bedside table and especially during this season of life when, as you probably gather, the last, um, I'd say like the last really since I had our fourth boy, it's been crazy. And I needed a bit of encouragement, a bit of motivation because as I was achieving all of the things that I set out to achieve, whether it was through family or my business or having question marks through all of it, motherhood, entrepreneurship, and beyond, Mallory was someone that I knew that I could open the pages of her book, Living Fully, and really just get some good information about prioritizing the right things and how to get unstuck uh, from the things that even the, the great mountaintop achievements that hold us hostage and prevent us from living our lives fully. So definitely check out her book called Living Fully. I'll put it in the show notes. And I hope you gathered, especially from this podcast episode, that sometimes you just have to switch out the playbook. Until next time on the At Home Startup Podcast.